Welcome once again to Devotional, a spiritual resource for daily living. This is Pastor Ariel. We are studying the last lesson for this quarter, lesson number 13, and this is for Monday, September 24th. So the storm reveals where our hopes are in. The, the storms of life also reveal other things about us um, in regards to our influence. Um, I wanted to bring some, some thoughts that we didn't have t- time to pay, talk, talk on yesterday, touch on yesterday, um, and that, that is a spiritual influence. Um, influence is not just a positive. Influence can go both ways. I can have a positive spiritual influence or a negative spiritual influence. Uh, and one of the examples that come to mind from the Bible is David. When David gets to the battlefield, Saul's influence, the king's influence, was that of fear. He himself was the tallest person in that army. And here was a giant from the Philistines challenging and insulting and blaspheming against God. And Saul stayed quiet, stayed in his tent, hoping one of his soldiers would go, even trying to bribe them, you know, with free taxes <laughs> and the, the hand of his daughter. And it still didn't work. So here shows up, shows up David, and he is being a different kind of an influence. His influence is starting to stir and bring attention and create a buzz. And his brothers have influence too. His brothers try to exert a negative influence of intimidation and derision and shaming and trying to tell him, go back and take care of the sheep. Yet David, like Paul, has a steadfastness, uh, perseverance to his character, to his personality. In regards to God, David is not arguing in regards to simply let's um, go into a, have a good fight. His, his zealous about God's name. God's name is on the line here. Just like Paul, his hopes were not on earthly gain, but on vindicating God's name in, in that of Jesus. Through Jesus Christ, God revealed himself to be the one who kept his promise to Abraham of the covenant to give a savior to the world. So David, the same way, wanted to vindicate God in the presence of his enemies. So he has influence, and his influence is such that in the end, God honors it. You know the story, he, he beats uh, Goliath, and the whole army gets all riled up, and they go and, you know, have a tremendous victory against the Philistines because of a young man's influence. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of other influences, actually, from the book of Acts, and we didn't get to study this. Like I said, I wish I would have had this idea, or I would have thought about this more at the beginning of the lesson, but nevertheless, here we are in Acts chapter 4, and the the verses of 13 through 20, you have this uh, story of a a lame man has been healed, everybody is um, surrounding Peter and John, Peter preaches a powerful sermon, and through the sermon, he denounces the religious leaders as having been the ones responsible for the death of Jesus. And the religious leaders are not quite sure what to do with them. They're threatening them. There's a part that says uh, in verse 13 that um, they were uneducated and untrained, yet they were amazed and began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. There's something about being with Jesus that sets you apart, whether you have academics or no academics. Because though uh, John and Peter were not educated or trained, Paul was. And yet with both, you could say they had been with Jesus because of their priorities and steadfastness and perseverance. And they're getting threat. This is a storm. It doesn't have clouds or waves, but it's definitely a storm. Um, and in some ways, I think one that would terrify Peter even more. This is a similar storm that Peter faced before the cross, the storm of pressure, 
of peer pressure, of threats, of loss. And whereas before Peter buckled, now he is steadfast. And in verse 20, Peter says, For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and what we have heard. We're not going to stop. And so when they are released, these two individuals, their act has influence. And they go and report to the church what has just happened, how they've been threatened to, to never speak in the name of Jesus again. And so they, they get together and, and pray. And now in verse 29, this is powerful. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says, And now, Lord, take note of their threats. And I'm going to read it wrong. <laughs> Lord, take note of their threats and please save our skin. Do not let us get hurt and help us to just live quietly from now on and be more cautious to not stir up waves and help John and Peter to stay put. Um, of course, that's not what the verse says. Verse 29 says, Now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness or confidence. They're not praying to be relieved from any hardships. They're actually praying, Lord, we're humans. We recognize it and encourage us, fill us with your spirit that their threats will not silence us that these storms will not distract us or cause us to have uh, our earthly hopes shattered. Lord, detach us from having our hopes centered on earthly things and more and more so on heavily, the, the ones that will never fade away. Those are the things that these lessons are starting to bring through the life of Paul and of course through the life of all the disciples is the same pattern. Perseverance, I believe, is fueled by having a hope that goes beyond earthly attainments, earthly gains. You know, if I, I, as a pastor, you know, sometimes I find myself thinking, I'm never going to own a home. It looks like it. Um, in my, I'm 45. Uh, how old would I be before I paid off a house if I were to buy one today? Um, so you start thinking about retirement and all those things. And I push those thoughts back. Though I'm not encouraging to be fiscally irresponsible or not try to plan for those things, how much can you plan for for the future? How much about the future can you know and be prepared for? Do you know when a storm is going to come? I don't. Do you? Do you know when the economy is going to tank, when your stock savings are going to plummet? Do you know these things? Especially in light of end time prophecies. If I'm thinking of a cushiony, comfortable retirement, do I want the end to come? Would you? Do I want the institution to still be around so that I can collect my retirement check and be at peace? Because the reality is, is that if, according to prophecy, things go the way that they're supposed to, I won't have to worry about my retirement. <laughs> that would be the least of my worries. And yet, even if the institution were to uh, disappear and all of the financial support that it provides were to not be there anymore, I can still have hope because I still have Jesus. See, that's the, the, the big difference. And for me as a pastor even, I, I have to guard my heart. It doesn't just stay that way. It's something that continually has to be brought to center. Where is my hope placed in? For me personally, I, I remind myself of when I was uh, church planting in Columbus, Ohio without a salary for almost two and a half years, yet I had a roof over my head and food before me. Not the best food, not abundant food, but I had food. 
And if that, that same Jesus that took care of me then, I'm confident will take care of me in my retirement, whether the institution is still here, which, which would be heartbreaking, actually, right? Which would be heartbreaking if we were still be, if I was still be around here in the 70s or 80s? And for you that are getting ready for retirement, you may be retiring institutionally, but I am confident that you, brother or sister, whoever you are, you're not retiring from service and ministry till our very last breath. Amen. One last thought, Psalms 23. This, I think, is one of those verses, Psalms that um, is a classic and there's, it's so rich. It's so rich. Psalms 23, I believe, gives us the, the foundation for that boldness that these individuals have. They did not ask to be protected from their threats. They actually asked to be protected from being intimidated by their threats. They wanted boldness, more boldness. Not just John and Peter, but all of us, Lord, give us boldness to speak. Psalms 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. You know, Jesus is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And there is no reason to fear him because he has died and rose again, like he told John in the book of Revelation. I have the keys of death and the grave. You don't need to fear. And so because I don't need to fear perishing or dying, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not pray, Lord, can we take another route? Can we have a detour somewhere else? No. If that is where I'm going through, like Paul said, even if I have to die in, in Jerusalem, I'm going. I'm going not because I'm stubborn, not because I'm arrogant. I'm going because I am committed and I'm going to persevere in the mission Jesus has called me to. And until I have done my part in the completion of that mission, I will not relent. I will not be intimidated. I will not draw back. Powerful influence. I pray for a heart like that, not because I am a pastor, but because I am a Christian, that I may exert an influence of encouragement and an influence that will make other people say, I am in this, I am with you, Jesus, through the valleys that are high and through the valleys that go through the shadow of death. Whether I have to retire on this earth or die on this earth, Lord, use me that this gospel will go. And Father, my personal prayer is, that I will not retire, that I will get to see you come in the clouds of glory. Amen.